Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host uh, for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. For those who aren't on my newsletter, I would invite you to subscribe to my free newsletter that will talk about world events and also various Bible topics. To do that, go to my website, www.mercifulserviceofgod.com. That's www.mercifulserviceofgod.com. The drop-down box will come down, and then go ahead and kindly put your name and your email address, and you'll start receiving your free newsletter each and every month. Well, today I'm going to talk about a topic that I feel needs to be talked about. Excuse me, uh, peace. What is peace? Do we have peace? Some people, believe it or not, think the world is at peace, and and it really isn't. And we need to understand why we don't have peace and how we're going to get peace. So this is what the Bible study will be about today. If you want to call in, please call in 10 minutes uh, before the end of the program. And the call-in number is... 213, actually that's my host number, Uh, the guest call-in number is 347-945-7525. That's 347-945-7525. Again, that number is 347-945-7525. Please call in like 10 minutes before the end of the program. So what I always do for those who are familiar with my style here is to go over the world news any significant world news, I like to go to World Watch Daily, www.watch.org, Koenig International News, and he does a very good job of keeping up to date with what's going on in Jerusalem. Remember, according to Bible prophecy, everything will start and end at Jerusalem. I'm looking at a headline here. It says, Netanyahu vows he won't demolish settlements in next term but says he doesn't want to rule the Palestinians. It says, if re-elected, the Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu, promises the days of bulldozers uprooting Jews are behind us, but says he doesn't want to rule the Palestinians. Adopting a hard-line stance ahead of the elections, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, in a Friday interview, promised that if re-elected, he would not uproot West Bank settlements in the coming four years. Speaking in an interview with Marif Netanyahu said his track record testifies to the fact that he, that his government has strengthened and not dismantled settlements and established the Ariel 
University and the West Bank as a full-fledged academic institution. Another headline, Netanyahu, Obama and I differ on the peace process. <laughs> That's the understatement of the year. Uh, he is in an enviable political position, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He is in a political position most other world leaders would die for. Here he is just a few days from elections, and his worry is not whether he will win the upcoming elections, but rather by how much and by how large a majority and who he will need to bring into his governing coalition. This is a leader widely assailed by much of the world, a leader whom a U.S. columnist this week reported was verbally dumped on by U.S. President Barack Obama. This is a leader whose own commitment to peace, and that's what this Bible study is about today, peace, has been not so subtly questioned by even his own president and whose former security services head, Yobo Diskin, trashed a few weeks ago in a six-page spread in one of the nation's leading papers, a paper that itself has been driven by a campaign to dethrone him. Netanyahu stressed that he has reinstated the Prime Minister's Bible Study Group, which is interesting, and revived the National Bible Quiz for Adults. This is real. It reflects my own values, what I was brought up with. I quote that I received a deep Jewish education grounded in Jewish history and grounded in the Bible. This is what I imparted in my children and something I want to impart to all the children of Israel. It is deep, and people know it. It is not a flag we raise before the elections. It is something that emanates from a wellspring of values that animates me and the Likud as a whole, which is his political party. So this is interesting. Uh, it appears that he understands the following scripture here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. It states, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, Ekad, composite unity, Lord. Verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. In verse 6, and this is the Shema. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Verse 7, and you shall teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes and you shall write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And obviously, I'm sure that Netanyahu knows the Shema. So, that's what's going on in Jerusalem. Actually, oh, Ariel Mayor Ron Nakam dies at 70. That's unfortunate. And... That is all I'm going to read at World Watch Daily. I'm going to take a look at national news here in the United States. Uh, it says right here, this one article, do you want to scare a baby boomer? If you want to frighten baby boomers, just show them the list of statistics. I'm reading this from the economic collapse. Uh, if you want to read along with me or follow with me and you buy your PC, type in the economic collapse blog com it says, do you want to scare a baby boomer? If you want to frighten baby boomers, just show them the list of statistics in this article. The United States is headed for a retirement crisis of unprecedented magnitude. Unprecedented magnitude. And we are woefully unprepared for it. At this point, more than 10,000 baby boomers are reaching the age of 65 every single day. Baby boomers were born... Um, Actually, baby boomers are around my age, around 46 years old. 
and uh, they were born um, between 1945, 46, 47, around that time. Um, and then between that that time period and in the 1960s, those are the baby boomers. And I was born around that time. I think it's 1945 to 1967. Those are the baby boomers. Anyway, our says at this point, more than 10,000 baby boomers are reaching the age of 65 every single day, and this will continue to happen for almost the next 20 years. The number of senior citizens in America is projected to more than double during the first half of this century, and some absolutely enormous financial promises have been made to them. Uh, so we will be able to keep, so will we be able to keep those promises to the hordes of American workers that are rapidly approaching retirement? Of course not. State and local governments are facing trillions in unfunded pension liabilities. Medicare is facing a $38 trillion shortfall over the next 75 years. The Social Security system is facing a $134 trillion shortfall over the next 75 years. Meanwhile, nearly half of all American workers have less than 10000 saved for retirement. Let me underscore that because that's major. Meanwhile, nearly half of all American workers have less than 10000 saved for retirement. The truth is that I was being incredibly kind when I said earlier that we are woefully unprepared for what is coming. The biggest retirement crisis in history is rapidly approaching, and a lot of the promises that were made to baby boomers are going to get broken. So you can read the rest of this article, but it's just really sad what's going on here. So it says 35 statistics about the working poor in America. That will blow your mind. I'm going to read this a little bit, and you can read the rest of it. It says, in America tonight... Tens of millions of men and women will struggle to get to sleep because they are stressed out about not making enough money, even though they are working as hard as they possibly can. And I can certainly relate with that uh, factual statement, and I'm sure many people that are listening to me that are in this situation can relate too. We have to get off this, uh, the reason why you're poor is because you're lazy syndrome. That's not true. They are called the working poor, and their numbers are absolutely exploding. As a recent Gallup poll showed, Americans are more concerned about the economy than they are about anything else, and I can't blame them. But why are Americans so stressed out about our economic situation if things are supposedly getting better? The truth is, folks, things aren't getting better. <laughs> well, the truth is that unemployment is not actually going down, and the real unemployment numbers are actually much worse than what is officially being reported by the government. The government only reports the, I think, the U2 statistics. The U6 statistics is what they need to pay attention to. It gives you the clear picture of what's going on. So anyway, it says, and the real unemployment numbers are actually much worse than what, officially being, what is officially being reported by the government. But unemployment is only part of the story. Most American workers are still able to find jobs, but an increasing proportion of them are not able to make ends meet at the end of the month, yeah, sure, you can work at McDonald's, Burger King, and all these other jobs that uh, don't pay you anything. But, you know, I, I understand the plight of the working poor. Uh, it doesn't pay the bills, folks. And and that's those are the kind of jobs that people need to, to find, um, livable income jobs, jobs that are going to be able to pay your bills and pay uh, your expenses, those things that you need to survive. Anyway, but unemployment is only part of the story. Most American workers are still able to find jobs, but an increasing proportion of them are not able to make ends meet at the end of the month. Our economy continues to bleed 
good-paying, middle-class jobs, and to a large degree, those jobs are being replaced by low-income jobs, approximately, because companies are cutting back. They're trying to save money, and that's what they do, unfortunately. They slice uh, income to pay their employees. Approximately one-fourth of all American workers make $10 an hour. That's um, 25% of all American workers make $10 an hour or less at this point, and we see them all around us every day. They flip our burgers, as I was talking about Burger King. They they cut our hair, and they take our money at the supermarket. In many homes, both parents are working multiple jobs. And yet when a child gets sick or a car breaks down, they find that they don't have enough money to pay the bill. Many of these families have gone into tremendous amounts of debt in order to try to stay afloat. But once you get caught in the cycle of debt, it can be incredibly difficult to, to break out of that. And I suggest those who are in debt, please humble yourself and do what God commands in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and file bankruptcy. Okay? You, you, you've got to, every seven years, he has commanded us to be relieved of our debts. There's nothing uh, to be ashamed of. It's biblical. It's better than fooling around worrying about paying bills. Trust me, it really is. So these are some interesting articles here, and uh, I suggest that you read the rest of these articles on here on this website, theeconomiccollapseblog.com. It says the Federal Reserve shows Barack Obama who the real boss is. That's a good one. And it says the federal government hands out money to 128 million Americans every month. And the reason why... As I was telling some individuals of mine the other day, uh, you know, the president that brought up all this Social Security stuff and welfare and everything else, um, Roosevelt, the reason why he had to do that because at that particular period of time in history, uh, the churches weren't stepping up. They weren't um, we weren't loving each other as we should love ourselves, um, which is a part of peace, uh, which, which I'm going to talk about today. And when you don't do that, then the government had to step in. And, you know, government is not all bad, folks. Uh, government, God has ordained uh, in First Peter. Let's go to that again, First Peter. And we, we, we have to understand that and be willing to accept what God states about how we deal with government, folks. So First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 13. I know people have their fussing, they fuss about Romans 13, but you can't fuss about this. First Peter chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king or supreme. So this is a commandment, and if you are a believer of the scriptures, you will obey this commandment. It says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme. Verse 14, Or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So the governments do praise those who do well, folks. I know you've heard of the stories of heroes taking bullets for people and all that. And when that happens, they praise them for that. Verse 15, for so is the will of God. Again, this, this is the scriptures that I'm referring to. That with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Verse 16, as free and not using your liberty, uh, liberty rather, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the service of God. Honor all. That includes parents learning how to respect their children and not being jealous of them. Uh, we should respect everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. This is a commandment. Even if the king is wicked, just like David, 
honored Shaul or Saul, King Saul. He was a very wicked king, the first of many wicked kings of Israel. But David still respected him. And that's what God commands us to do. Are you going to do what God tells you to do, or are you going to do what you want to do? That's that's the issue that you need to to take a look at here. Uh, verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. This is also in the context of leaders. Okay. Now, of course, I went over this situation in the Bible studies that I've, you need to look in the archives, but I've went over this situation. There are situations where you don't obey your leaders when when they are are um, telling you to go against the Torah, of course, common sense tells you not to do that. However, if someone calls you a butthead or calls you some, some um, just doesn't talk to you with respect, the Bible tells you plainly to the forward or people who don't treat you with respect that you still should obey them. You know, I've, I've had situations where people were over me, said all kinds of things to me, and then treat me right, but I still obeyed them. That's what it's talking about here. It says, servants, be subject to your masters of all fear. And certainly the president is a master. Um, you know, he's somebody that's over us, has authority, God-given authority. God put him in that position. You know, he, he, he's in control of all the, the world leaders, whether you believe that or not, he is. Um, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. Verse 19, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffer wrongfully. This is what he says here. Let me um, read this in a different uh, version so it will be a lot clearer to you. First Peter 2, verse 18, household servants, submit yourself to your masters, showing them full respect. And not only those who are kind and considerate, but also those who are harsh. Let me underscore that again. Household servants or employees, submit yourself to your masters. <coughs> Excuse me. Showing them full respect, not half respect, but full respect. And not only those who are kind and considerate, but also those who are harsh. Verse 19. For it is a grace when someone, because he is mindful of God, bears up under the pain of undeserved punishment. Verse 20. So he says, For what credit is there in bearing up under a beating you deserve for doing something wrong? But if you bear up under punishment, even though you have done what is right, God looks on with favor. This is what, again, the scriptures state here. God looks on with favor when you endure unjust punishment, folks. That's what your Bible states. And it even gives the ultimate example right here in verse 21 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Indeed, this is what you were called to do because the Messiah too suffered on your behalf, leaving an example so that you should follow in his steps. What example is it talking about in this context? It's talking about the example of enduring unjust punishment. We, as believers, must learn how to do that. We must learn how to suffer like he did. Verse 22. He committed no sin, nor was any deceit found on his lips. Verse 23. And this has everything to do with the Bible study today about how to have peace with everyone. Verse 23. When he was insulted, he didn't retaliate with insults. We have to follow that example. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. We need to do the same thing but handed them over to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the stake so that we might die, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. 
By his wounds you were healed. It's talking about physically and spiritually healed. Healed in his totality. Verse 24 again. He himself bore our sins in his body on the stake. So this is another reason why he died. So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. Verse 25. For you used to be like sheep gone astray. These are, of course, people who are believers. But now you have turned to the shepherd who watches over you. Okay? So we must submit to government authorities. And we should try to avoid, as much as possible, any government controlling us. We really should. But the scriptures indicate that we still should submit to government authorities when it's in line with Torah. So we have to, to do what the scriptures say. And, you know, people that try not to have marriage licenses and, and, and all that, I mean, I, I respect that, but you're causing a lot of pro unnecessary issues and problems for yourself when you do that. And I and I, I, I get this from a lot of people. They want to do this. They want to hide in the corner so no one knows that they exist. That's going to be impossible to do, ladies and gentlemen. The, the government has all kinds of security. They have different, uh, they have uh, electronic devices look like mosquitoes flying around. Uh, the government is going to know where you're at. What you need to do is this. People that are concerned about their lives, you need to obey God. And then in Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, it states this plainly. States this plainly. In verse 33, but those who pay attention to me will live securely, untroubled by fear of misfortune. So that's the key. If you want to be protected, we, you need and we all need to obey him. If we obey him, we will all live securely, untroubled by fear of misfortune. And part of obeying him is obeying every word of God. We don't you know, some people have a habit of this. They want to pick and choose which uh, commandments or words in the Bible they want to believe. And the Bible does not command us to do that, folks. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it states this by the Messiah's own mouth it's in verse 4. But he answered, the Tanakh says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of Adonai. And the New Testament or the apostolic scriptures is also the word of God. It came from the Father and the Son actually educated the apostles and told them what the Father told him to tell his uh, students. So it is also God's words, the apostolic scriptures, and we must, if there's any uh, suggestions or commandments in those scriptures, we must obey them as well. Those commandments, of course, are based on the original commandments of Moses, and they are just um, explained and expounded upon and, and given more understanding on his application. So, folks, we, we need to, to pay attention to what the Bible says, and that's only, the only way we're going to have peace. That's the only way we're going to get along with government authorities, uh, that's the only way that any, I remember, let me give you an example. I remember one time uh, when I was, um, how was I? I was in my mid-20s. And all of a sudden I, I was sleeping and then I woke up, and I woke up because I heard this banging on the door. 
it was <laughs> it was I thought they was gonna bust my door down. I didn't know who it was. I looked in the key. I, I actually opened the door. I don't know why I opened the door like that, but it was. And then when I opened the door, it was about I think it was about eight or nine people dressed up in military outfits and had AK-47s. It looks like, and they were all pointed at me. And I raised my hands up. And I was so glad that I didn't get shot when <laughs> I raised my hands up. <laughs> and and I said, hey, don't shoot, don't shoot. You know, and then they just talked to me like, you know, they were just treating me like crap because they assumed I was a punk. I was a black punk that I had drugs because I, I lived in an area where they had drug pushers, I guess. They had a drug empire around there. I didn't know that, you know. And I was one of the innocent ones. I mean, they... Unfortunately, people have a tendency to think that all black people um, are on drugs and play basketball, you know, and that's not true. You can't stereotype us like that. That's a sin to do that, but unfortunately, these cops thought that as well. And so they thought they were so sure that I had drugs in my apartment, in my little studio apartment. So they they forced me to the ground. I was saying, hey, you got the wrong person. They told me, shut up, shut up. They'll treat me like an animal. They they wouldn't treat me with respect. And so... um, I submitted to them. I didn't fight them. <laughs> I submitted to them. Uh, they put handcuffs on me. I was on the ground, and I was trying to explain to them, look, you have the wrong person, but the guy put the barrel of the gun to my head and, and clicked it, and I shut up because I didn't want to get shot. Okay? I didn't want to get shot. So I submitted to the authorities. They were treating me wrong, but I submitted to them. If I would have fought them, I would not be talking to you on Blog Talk Radio today. Okay? So there comes a time where we have to use our common sense, and we have to obey the government authorities, folks. All right, and and uh, that that's 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 an example of the many or the few that I can tell you of what I experienced. And the end of the story, I'm sure you're wondering what happened to me. <laughs> well, uh, he had took my he got on my phone, or I think he used my phone, or he called in using his uh, apparatus that they use to call into police headquarters, and he took my driver's license. And he ran everything through, and he says, there's nothing on this guy. I mean, nothing. You know, I, I was clean. I had a clean record. I don't have a record. You know, I don't have a police record or nothing. It's clean. Thank God for that. And uh, to this day, it's been clean. And so he felt immediately sad about that. He felt bad about that, folks. And it reminds me of the scripture I just quoted here in First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Uh, where it says right here in verse 13, For the sake of the Lord, submit yourself to every human authority, whether to the emperor as being supreme or to the governors as being sent by him to punish wrongdoers and praise them who do what is good. For it is God's will that you're doing good should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Well, in that situation, you know, I submitted to them. He ran, he did the check, took my license, ran my driver's license through and, and realized that um, he made a mistake, and he started acting humble toward me. He treated me like I was a king after that because he knew I could have easily reported that situation to the police. But, you know, I didn't do it because I can tell that he was really honestly sorry about what he did. And I'm sure to this day he probably remembers that, and he probably became a better cop because of that. So I, I just thought I would tell you that it does work, folks. Obeying the words of God work. Try it. You like it. Okay? All right, so let's talk about peace. 
because we certainly don't have peace in this world. And uh, it's something that we need to address, and it's something that we need to figure out how can this world in the 21st century have peace, and when will it really ultimately have peace? All right, so the scripture I want to start out with today is Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Beginning in, in one, Psalm 119, verse 165. It says, Those who love your Torah, which is the instructions and doctrines and teachings and laws of Yah, or Elohim, or God, have great peace, not little peace, but great peace. Let me, let me emphasize that again. Those who love your Torah, the instructions of Yah, or God, have great peace. Nothing makes them stumble. And then in Psalm 119, verse 166, which is associated with this scripture, it says, I hope for your deliverance or salvation, Adonai. I obey your mitzvah. So to be able to hope for salvation, deliverance, eternal life, you obey the mitzvah. That's how you hope for salvation, according to the scriptures. Now, peace in the original Hebrew means shalom. So you hear me say shalom, that means peace. When I close the program, it means to be safe, to be well, happy, friendly, welfare, that is health and prosperity, having your needs taken care of. That's what peace is, ladies and gentlemen. And we don't have peace. Everyone's needs are not being taken care of in this world today, folks. So for those people who are brainwashed horribly to think that we have peace, you need to stop being brainwashed and, and, and come to you a sort of reality to realize that this world is not in peace. Uh, there is plenty of babies starving worldwide, unfortunately, every single day. Every single day. As I'm speaking to you right now, I'm going to probably the world's best website on explaining the poverty situation of the entire world. is called globalissues.org, www.globalissues.org. You can go there with me if you're by your PC. And if you click where it says Poverty Facts and Figures, almost half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. That is not peace, folks. That's not prosperity. Almost half the world, over 3 billion people, we have approximately 7 billion people, so that statistic has probably gone up now. Almost half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. A day. Sad. At least 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. More than 80% of the world's population lives in countries where income differentials are widening. The poorest 40% of the world's population accounts for 5% of global income. The richest 20% accounts for three-quarters of world income. That's 75% of the world income is held by the 20% of the rich, the 20% of the richest. According to UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. Let me underscore that. According to UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day due to poverty, and 
I know we we really got upset and alarmed during September 11th when over 3,000 people died, but it's seven times that, or over seven, slightly over seven times that, we had slightly over seven times, seven September 11th, that's what I'm trying to say, every single day around the world. 22,000 children die each day due to poverty, and they die quietly in some of the poorest villages on the earth, far removed from the scrutiny and the conscience of the world. Being meek and weak in life makes these dying multitudes even more invisible and deaf. This does not promote peace, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we, We don't have peace, and this is certainly a fulfillment of a prophecy here in Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. Um, Proverbs chapter 30 here, verse 14. It says, and this is in the King James, There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. This prophecy has been enforced for a long time and is continuing to be fulfilled as I speak. So, the definition of peace according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Peace is simply a state of tranquility or quiet, freedom from civil disturbance, a state of security or order within a community provided for by law or custom, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. So this is important. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Harmony in personal relations. Harmony in personal relations. A state of period of mutual concord between governments. A pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state. So peace can mean all these things. Let me repeat it again. It's a state of tranquility or quiet. Freedom from civil disturbance. A state of security or order within a community provided for by law or custom. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Harmony in personal relations. A state of period of mutual concord between governments, a pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. Now, let's be honest. We have this type of peace in every single square inch environment in the world. Do we have this type of peace in every square inch of the world? Of course not. So how are we going to get to that point? Well, ultimately, let's turn to the good news here. Um, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Starting in verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born. This is the prophecy of the Messiah. And to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And that's interesting that it says a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. He is going to ultimately bring peace upon the earth, ladies and gentlemen. Of the increase of his government, so there's going to be government. There's nothing wrong with government, folks. It's just the the, execu- the proper execution of that government. That's the problem. Uh, man has proven that He's incapable of doing that, but even if he's incapable of doing it, God is still has allowed human government. And he does tell us to submit to that government as long as that government is not violate, in violating Torah. And the Constitution of the United States 
um, there's many positive elements of that. And our government is not totally evil, folks. There are some good things about our government, if you want to actually um, be honest about that. Of the increase of his government and peace, be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal or the joy of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So that's the good news. And if we call ourselves followers of this Messiah, Yeshua Messiah, then we should be doing the following. In Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17 states plainly, And the work of righteousness shall be peace. That's what our work should be about. It should be about trying to bring a state of tranquility to whoever we are associated with. Uh, We should strive to be free from civil disturbance. We should strive for a state of security in our families and in our community. Uh, We should strive for freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions toward our children, toward anyone. Uh, We should strive to have harmony in personal relations. Uh, We should strive to have a state or period of mutual concord between ourselves. Okay? And we should strive to have an agreement to end hostilities between us. And I'm going to show you in the scriptures how that can come about. How that can come about. Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. Beginning in verse 26. States the Lord lift up your continents upon thee and give thee peace. So the Lord ultimately will give all of us peace. But we have to keep his commandments, folks, for that to occur. Proverbs chapter 12. And we need to stop thinking we know more than him. We have to stop doing it because we don't. Proverbs 12, verse 20. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. Colon. Let's continue the thought. But to the counselors of peace is joy. So when you strive for peace, you will naturally have joy. But when you're in conflict and arguing and fussing with people... You're not going to ever have peace. So you you should be counselors. That word counselors is yards in Hebrew, advisors. And you're trying to resolve things so there can be peace. And that's what we all need to be doing as a human race. And we're not doing that. Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59, verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Verse 2, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Verse 3, And so, folks, if you want a relationship with Yah, God, you better start obeying him and stop sinning, as 1 John chapter 3 states. And when you do that, he'll start hearing you. Verse 3, for your hands are defiled with blood. Think of abortions. Whenever I read it, I think about all these abortions that we had. And your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perverseness. Verse 4, none, that means the whole, not individually, but as a nation, none calleth for justice, nor any plead for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief. 91% of people in the world, folks, lie unfortunately, and bring forth iniquity. Isaiah 59, verse 5, they hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. And he that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, 
Neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Verse 7, their feet run to evil. They don't walk to evil. They run to evil. And they make haste to shed innocent blood. That's, again, abortion has everything to do with this scripture. Not just talking about abortions, but abortions is definitely shedding innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction in their paths. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their doings. They have made them crooked paths. Whoever goeth therein shall not know peace. And so I read this so you can understand that when you are in this state of mind, when you're not obeying God and and he's not listening to you, how in the world are you going to have peace? Peace has everything to do with proper judgment. And how are you going to make proper judgment if you don't know the instructions of God? You know, it's... it's very illuminating what the Bible states about the world and why we're in the state of the world the way it is. Isaiah chapter 24, verse 1. This is going to happen in the future, folks. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and make of it waste and turns it upside down and scatter abroad the inhabitants thereof. Verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 24, verse 2. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid. So with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled. For the Lord hath spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people, the prideful people, the earth do languish. Verse 5, the earth is also defiled or in a state of decay under the inhabitants thereof. Why? Because they have transgressed the laws changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant, which is to keep the Torah of Elohim. That's the everlasting covenant or agreement. Therefore has the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and unfortunately few men left. That's where we're going, because as a world, we are violating the instructions and doctrines of Torah. And when you do that, there is curse that has to be dealt with. Isaiah chapter 34, verse 1. Come near, you nations. This is addressed to all the world, so listen up. Come near, ye nations to hear, and hearken, you people. Let the earth hear or understand. And all that is therein, the world and all things that come forth of it, Verse 2, for the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, not just Israel, all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has delivered them to the slaughter. This is a prophecy. It's going to happen in the future, in the battle of Armageddon. Verse 3, their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood and all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved and the heaven shall be rolled together as a scroll and all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf fall from the vine and as falling from a fig tree so anyway folks this is what's going to happen in the future and in verse 6 the sword of the Lord is filled with blood it is made fat with fatness and with blood of lambs and goats with the fat of the kidneys of rams 
and what it says right here, and a great slaughter in the land of Endomia. So this is in the land of, in the area of the Middle East, and this is a prophecy in the future. It's going to be great destruction when Messiah lands his feet on the Mount of Olives with the angels and the saints, and we're going to eliminate wickedness upon the earth and start peace on the earth. That's the good news. That is the good news there. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 6 states, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and, and certainly we have, right? And we still do. See that you be not troubled. You're not supposed to be troubled by this. Don't be troubled by it. That's what he commands you. You hear of all these wars, conspiracies, all that. Don't be troubled by it. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation that should be translated family or tribe shall rise against tribe or family and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And then unfortunately, it's going to get to the point where it says that in verse 10, and um, then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And he says, because iniquity or Torahlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And that prophecy is being fulfilled. It's going to get so bad that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 21, folks, it states that, and the brother shall deliver the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. So things are going to get so bad it's going to get to that point, folks. And we need to be aware of these prophecies and, and do something about it. Now, how to have peace. Let's, 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 let's understand how to have peace. First of all, in Psalm 119, verse 165, Psalm 119, verse 165, let's go over that again. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So you have to love the instructions and doctrines of God, folks, for you to have peace, and you must obey them. In verse 166 of Psalm 119, Lord, I have hope for thy salvation, and have done thy commandments. So that's the first thing that you need to do. Um, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. beginning in verse 18. It says, If it be possible, and unfortunately there's cases where it's not possible, but it says, If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. So we should strive to live peaceably with everyone. Verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. This is a commandment to everyone, including parents. And and also kids. Uh, verse twenty. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him; if he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. So we should do all we can to avoid conflict. I was talking about that the other day. We should do all we can to avoid conflict. Verse twenty. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's good advice. And if you are in the assembly and and so forth, uh, believers of God, these are, these are the instructions that He gave us to to resolve conflict. In Matthew chapter eighteen, beginning in verse um, Matthew eighteen verse fifteen, 
Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, you have gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And verse 17, if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the assembly, the leaders of the assembly. But if they neglect, to, if, but if he neglect to hear the church, the leaders of the church, all the assembly, let let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. In other words, someone who doesn't want to obey the words of God. All of them. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Think not that I have come to send peace on the earth. And many people think that when he came the first time, he didn't come to send, uh, he's going to bring peace, but he didn't come immediately to bring peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And what is that sword? For I am come to set a, at man a, set a man at various against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be of his own household. So I'm just quoting these scriptures to show you that because of the word of God, people will have conflict because people have their different opinions about what it states. But the only way to resolve conflict is to both agree on what the Bible says, what it's plainly saying, not what you want it to say. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Starting in verse 4. It says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, this is a scripture that has been abused by many fathers over the years. I've done the best I can not to provoke my child to anger. And, I, you know, I did a few times, but most of the time I didn't. Because I understand what this what this will do to a child. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of what? Of what you think is right? No, of the Lord. In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's what you need to do. And fathers shouldn't be walking around and intimidating their kids, and the kids are so angry, uh, so fearful of them that they go into a little corner whenever he walks. And I mean, you shouldn't have that type of presence around your children. Your children should respect you, but not shake, you know, like, Aah! it shouldn't be that type of, uh, uh, well, that's not even respect. I mean, that that's downright not right if you had that type of presence around your children. It's not right at all. That is not peace. That's being oppressive towards your children. And that's not having peace at all. Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. And the reason why I'm quoting that is because it all starts with the family, society. The reason why it's the way it is because parents aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And they're raising kids the wrong way. And these kids grow up and they repeat what their parents do. In most cases. Proverbs of chapter 17, beginning of verse 28. says, even a fool when he holds his peace is counted wise. It says, even a fool when he holds his peace is counted wise. And he that shut, shut up, up his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. So it's important, ladies and gentlemen, to keep the mouth shut and learn how to use the mouth properly. Don't use your mouth to, to get people upset. Proverbs 18, verse 6. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for strokes. You don't want to be that way. And this is even with a father and his children. 
you know, don't don't provoke your children to anger. Proverbs twenty verse three. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. So you need to cease and run away from strife. And then Titus, Titus chapter three, Titus chapter three, beginning in verse eight to nine. It says, "This is um, a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works." That's our focus: good works, not arguing and fussing at each other. These things are good and profitable unto men. Verse nine: But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the Torah. For they are unprofitable and vain. I know the Jews have a tradition. They have a book called the Talmud of Arguments. But what does the Bible say here? Okay. This, I'm going to believe what the Bible says here. You know, I know the Jews, they like to argue and fuss. But it's not profitable according to what Shaul has written here. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we should avoid those type of things. That does not promote peace. Does not promote peace whatsoever. So, having peace will cause the following to happen, folks. Isaiah chapter 2. Right now we're talking about gun laws and guns. I've got to have my gun and all that. Well, Isaiah chapter 2 verse 1 says the following. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall come to pass in the last days, and these are the days we're living in right now, that the mountain of the Lord's house, that mountain is Mount Moriah, shall be established, that's where the Temple Mount is located, in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. Verse 3, And many people shall go and say, Come, and ye, and let us go up to the mountain, where the temple is at, of the Lord, to the house of God, or the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, the Torah, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, verse 4. And this is what peace will ultimately do. We won't need guns, folks. We won't need nukes. We won't need anything. Verse 4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares or their guns. Whatever you how you want to plowshares are things that can be used for vegetation. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Okay? Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war any more. That's what we all need to be striving instead of fooling around, figuring out how many guns I can buy. We need to focus on what the Bible has prophesied will occur in the future. Well, we won't need guns. We won't need all these things. Unfortunately, we do need them because it's a violent world. But what I'm trying to explain to you is that those who understand what I'm saying and those who aren't rebellious toward God and want to obey his commandments, we ought to strive, strive not to have to have guns. There's nothing wrong with having guns. But our whole life should not be about guns and how many guns I have. It should be about how many people I've cared for, how many people have I served or helped. That's what your life should be about. And if you do that, God is going to take care of the rest. And that is the message that I wanted to tell you today, and I hope I've told it to you in a calm and peaceful and intelligent way that you understand. We will all ultimately have peace, but unfortunately, mankind is going to have to learn some vital lessons. And the biggest lesson that mankind has to learn 
is that we must obey the words of God and we must submit to all his instructions. If we don't do that, none of us will individually have peace and we won't have peace in the world until that happens. So with that, shalom, peace, and Elohim willing, I'll be available to you next week. Again, shalom, peace. I invite you to subscribe to our free newsletter. To subscribe, go to www.mercifulserviceofgod.com and wait for the drop-down box. Or, if you're on Facebook, the Facebook box. Enter your name and email address. When you confirm your subscription... Elohim willing, you will receive emails about the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of Elohim. Additionally, you will receive emails about various Bible topics. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 